five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? It's Inside You, the College Sports Podcast, and we are back. And thank the Lord, college football is almost here. The first game's kicking off tomorrow, Thursday, so let's get right into it. First things first, if you guys haven't been following, a lot of the quarterback battles and quarterback competitions have been playing themselves out and being finalized. Obviously, the one people are talking about right now, JT Daniels, a true freshman who was supposed to graduate high school in 2019, will be USC's starting quarterback. More importantly, Blake Barnett, the former Alabama quarterback, won the starting job at the University of South Florida. It should be interesting to see what he can do under Charlie Strong. So, speaking of Blake Barnett, I think everyone right now is intrigued to see what happens with the new four-game rule that the NCAA enacted. If you haven't been following, under the new rule, a player can play up to four games and not lose a year of eligibility. I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out in the current landscape. Obviously, the most notable exception would be the quarterback competition still ongoing, the last one that still appears to be undecided between Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts at Alabama. What I wonder is how this rule might come into play. Looking at Alabama's schedule, obviously they open with Louisville, then they play Arkansas State, then Ole Miss, and then Texas A&M. After that, they play the University of Louisiana and then Missouri. It's very good likely that whoever loses that battle will see mop-up, garbage duty, whatever you want to call it, in those games. But I wonder if we might see a situation where they decide to not go in if the opportunity presents itself in a fifth game to avoid losing that year of eligibility. Obviously, I think it's a lot more likely with Jalen Hurts than Tua Tagovailoa. Hurts' dad has already maintained that if Hurts did decide to transfer from Alabama, he would be, quote-unquote, the biggest free agent of all time. And he's not wrong. More importantly, I think this is symptomatic of a shift in college sports where we're seeing the power going from the coaches to the players. Obviously, they've relaxed transfer rules. They've relaxed player eligibility. They've relaxed players becoming eligible right away. So it's very interesting to see how this all plays out. And I think we're already seeing this play out with Tristan Gebbia. The Nebraska quarterback, Gebbia, was recruited under Mike Riley. He redshirted last year when the Huskers went 4-8. and eight. He was in a quarterback competition with Adrian Martinez, a Scott Frost recruit, which he lost. After the announcement of his losing, he withdrew from the school and just announced today that he's actually going to go to Oregon State. Oregon State's on the quarter system, so Gebbia is able to enroll wider way. He'll be able to sit out this season and be eligible in 2019. Now, Gebbia's decision does not surprise me for a number of reasons. First off, like I said, he was recruited under Mike Riley. Maybe he thinks he'll do better under Jonathan Smith in more of a pro-style offense. And the other big thing that a lot of people are missing is Noah Vedral. Noah Vedral was a University of Central Florida player. He followed head coach Scott Frost from Central Florida to Nebraska. He's sitting out this year. So I think regardless of how Martinez does, there'd be another quarterback competition next fall. And I think when Gebbia was looking at it, he says, Adrian Martinez is a true freshman. Who knows what happens with Noah? I need to get out of here to find a place where I can actually play. So with that being said, like I said, I'm very interested to see how this four-game rule comes into effect. Some coaches are saying they might use it as a carrot, as a way to get players involved who might not otherwise see action or be more likely to redshirt. Sure, that's possible. But the other side of that coin is, like I said, I think we're going to see a lot of players be put in strategic situations where even though they may have the opportunity to play, they might choose not to. It would be very interesting to see how that happens at Alabama. Hertz is eligible to graduate in December. 
he may decide, you know what? I think I've done enough for the school. I'm 26 and two as a starter. I won an SEC championship. I've done everything I needed to. They didn't do anything for me. I'm going to get out of here and take my talents elsewhere. So we'll continue to monitor that. But like I said, should be interesting to see what happens. Moving on, it's time for her to discuss the Heisman Trophy. Now, obviously, everyone is on the Bryce Love train. He did finish second last year and was that Stanford offense and starting quarterback KJ Costello. He should be in, in for a big year. But I personally do not believe in this Love kid. It's not that I don't think he's a great player. It's not that I don't think he'll continue to put up good numbers. But what I do think is that he's going to be weighed down by a Stanford team that will be weighed down by its defense. So I think that alone will cost them a few games. Like I said previously, there's a very good possibility that Stanford loses its season opener to San Diego State this weekend. And I think at the end of the year, those couple of losses will keep Love from winning the trophy. Another candidate that's been popular is Tua Tagovailoa. I think he definitely could be a Heisman Trophy winner if he had a full season. But I do think we're going to see him split those first few games with Jalen Hurts. And I think that lack of a full season will prevent a lot of voters from voting for him. Obviously, a guy who I'd really like to see win the Heisman Trophy is Ed Oliver, the standout defensive tackle at the University of Houston. Oliver, one of the few five-star recruits to remain home. Definitely the fact that he's a defensive player solely is a concern. But this is a guy who's already said that he wasn't healthy last year. And with him being healthy, there's a very good chance he could put up 18 sacks a game. 18 sacks, excuse me, for the season. Keep in mind, this is a guy who was so dominant last year that teams had to chip block him on many occasions, resulting in the NCAA changing the rules on when you are able to trip block a player. I would love to see a defensive player win it, especially in a year like this one where I don't think there's necessarily a standout player among the bunch. I think there's a couple of guys who could win the Heisman, and I think it would be a lot of fun to, for football fans to know that it wasn't a Power 5 player. But with that being said, I think his being a defensive player will prevent him from winning the Heisman, even if he should be the winner. Another guy who I've heard a lot about is Will Greer, the quarterback at West Virginia. Greer, keep in mind, was stellar last season, throwing for over 3,500 yards before he broke a finger, which kept him out of the Mountaineers' final few games. Similar to Love, I think Greer is going to be held back by the Mountaineers' defense, which definitely is a question mark. And at the end of the year, those few games that they lost will prevent voters from picking him. The guy that I think has the best shot of winning it right now is Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the University of Wisconsin. Taylor broke Adrian Peterson's fr single, excuse me, freshman rushing record last year. He's got an entire offensive line returning. He's got a returning starting quarterback in Alex Hornibrook, who's extremely underrated. He's going to be able to rely on one of the top receiving corps in the country. And I think the defense will do enough to keep them from losing games. Furthermore, I think we're going to see Taylor have an increased role in the Badgers offense this season. I think we're going to see him come out a lot of the backfield more. I think we might see him line up in the slot a little bit. And I think these additional touches are going to sway a lot of voters. Furthermore, obviously the Badgers are the favorite in that Big West East division. I do think Iowa is going to challenge them. But if they can walk through it, the, excuse me, the Big Ten West division, if they can walk through it like they should be able to, whoever they face out of the West, I do think they'll beat, and I think that even if it comes with a loss or two this season, will be enough for Taylor to win the Heisman Trophy. So, Jonathan Taylor, my pick. Moving on. Oh, and one last guy I'd like to mention is Trace McSorley. Um, McSorley, similar to Greer and Love, there are a couple of question marks. Obviously, the big one is, what is the offense going to look like without stellar running back 
Saquon Barkley. The other one is what will the offense look like with Ricky Rain not being the offensive coordinator. Rain obviously having departed to become the head coach of Mississippi State. Keep in mind, before Rain showed up in Happy Valley, James Franklin, Penn State head coach, was in the hot seat after two back-to-back seven and six seasons. After Rain showed up, the offense showed a renewed spirit, a renewed energy, resulting in Saquon Barkley putting out crazy numbers and McSorley turning himself into a legitimate Heisman candidate. But I think with all of the losses, Troy Apke against Saquon Barkley, some of the other players, I'm not sure what this offense will look like. I also think that even with Penn State having a very favorable schedule, hosting the Badgers, hosting Ohio State, and hosting Michigan, they won't be able to win many of those games. And I think it will prevent them from coming out of that Big Ten West and prevent McSorley from winning the Heisman. So moving on to the group of five games that are interesting this weekend. Again, I will not be previewing all the games because so many teams are playing Mitch matches, but a few that I did think was interesting. The first one being UCF, the defending national champions, quote unquote, taken on UConn. If you didn't see yesterday, UCF had its national championship recognized by the NCA in their official book of records. Congratulations, Central Knights fans. Central Florida right now obviously is a very trendy pick. Their starting quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, will be a fringe Heisman contender, but what's going to prevent the Golden Knights from being a legitimate playoff team is their schedule. They do not play many high-profile teams this year. The teams that they do, who like North Carolina, aren't very intriguing, and they probably won't be very good. So even with the Central, Central, even with the Golden Knights going undefeated again, I don't think they'll make the playoff. Also, you have to consider what's this team going to look like under new head coach Josh Hoople. While I think the offense will be stellar, I don't think people have been focusing on the defensive pieces that the Golden Knights lost last season. And I think that those defensive pieces might show a few chinks in this defense, which may cost the Golden Knights a couple of games. But it's very likely that they do end up going undefeated, but their schedule will probably keep them from being a playoff team. Still, though, congratulations on the national championship, Golden Knights fans. The second big game this weekend, Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic University Owls are taking on Oklahoma. Everyone who is anyone, I believe, thinks that the Sooners should walk away with this game. Sure, the Owls have Devin Singletary, one of the top running backs in the country. And they've got Lane Kiffin. And they also have Aziz Alshair, the stellar defensive player. But the Sooners team, this is the Sooners team that many people are picking to win the Big 12. They should have the offensive pieces between Mar- Marquise Brown, between C.D. Lamb, between their stellar running back to get the job done. Also, they have Kyler Murray, who, while he may not be Baker Mayfield reincarnated, he should be good enough. And we're all said and done. The Sooners should walk away with this game. But I do think this game is very important for Al's head coach, Lane Kiffin. I do think Kiffin, with another great season at Florida Atlantic, could be in line for a Power 5 job. He was linked to a couple this past offseason, one of the big surprising ones being Tennessee. (laughs) Obviously, the way that Kiffin left Tennessee the first time, you would have never thought that the Volunteers would want him back, but there were some fans calling for his name. Kiffin's going to be always a flashy choice because of his name, because of his reputation, because of his record, and because of his resume. But with that being said, I do think the Sooners managed to win this game. 
Whether Lane Kiffin leaves Florida Atlantic in the offseason, we're going to have to wait and see. Remember, the Owls started out 1-3 and three last year before winning their last 10 games. This is a team that I don't think you can count out. They, do, they did lose starting quarterback Jason Driscoll. He elected to graduate even with one year of eligibility remaining. But Lane Kiffin has been able to attract a number of top transfers to Boca. Boca. It should be interesting to see how those players pan out, if they'll be able to turn their careers around. And I do think Lane Kiffin will be in line for a Power 5 job again soon. But again, Sooners should win this game. The other big game this weekend, Boise State taking on Troy. Troy, the Sun Belt co-champions in 2017. They also pulled off a upset of LSU at home. This is a Boise State team that many people have picked to win the Mountain West. Furthermore, they've been the group of five's favorite team picked to play in a New York Six Bowl. And they have a game against Oklahoma State, which, while they may not be great this year with the loss of starting quarterback Mason Rudolph, they still have a phenomenal running back in Justice Hill. And even if they don't have a great season, a win over a historically good team like Oklahoma State, I think would sway some voters. But they first have to get through a Troy team that retained head coach Neil Brown. I was actually surprised to see Brown return after he did have that signature win over LSU and he did win the Sun Belt. But hey, that's good for Troy. Still, though, Boise State, between Brett Ripien, between all the other pieces they have, and a defense that returns 10 starters, they should win this game. But this will be a good testament and a good temperature reading for what kind of Broncos team we're in for, whether they will in fact be able to make good on those predictions. So the last game of this weekend that I want to preview, SMU taking on North Texas. North Texas has the 2017 Excuse me one second. <clears throat> North Texas has quarterback Mason Fine, who was the a two, who is a 2018 Conference USA preseason All American. He had a stellar 2017, and this is a guy who definitely can throw the football and make plays. SMU, on the other hand, while they had a great season last year where they finally went to a bowl game, is going to be without head coach Chad Morris, who left took to take the Arkansas job. Furthermore, they're going to be without wide receivers Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn, who both elected to go to the NFL. While they did manage to hire Sonny Dykes to replace Morris, and this is a guy who coached SMU in their bowl game, which he lost. Still, though, they returned starting quarterback Ben Hicks, so they should be at least decent, and it should be interesting to see what Hicks and Dykes together are able to do. But this is by far not a guarantee for SMU. There's a very good chance this turns into a shootout between SMU quarterback Ben Hicks and North Texas quarterback Mason Fine, which means it could go anyway. So I'm taking North Texas in that one just because I'm not a big believer in Sonny Dykes, but... Should be interesting to see how that plays out. The last thing I want to bring up is since we are talking about the group of five, we have to talk about the three schools that everyone's talking about. Obviously, Florida Atlantic, UCF, and Boise State, the three teams I talked about, three teams that I talked about previously today. Florida Atlantic will be a trendy name as long as Lane Kiffin remains there. Whether they ever turn into a legitimate group of New Year's Six contender, we'll see. He's obviously done an incredible job recruiting and putting Florida Atlantic on the map. I don't know if he'll be there long enough to really turn this team into a legitimate contender. 
but he may be able to win a few more champ conference championships. UCF, on the other hand, definitely has a lot of hype. Their fans are already putting a lot of support behind Mackenzie Milton for his Heisman campaign. I think if he is managed to go undefeated again, making, giving him a 26-0 record, he should definitely have done enough to win that Heisman Trophy. But this record will prevent them from being a legitimate New Year's Six Bowl contender. Finally, Boise State. Again, the team that I mentioned that I think everyone th believes has the best shot to be a New Year's Six team, possibly even a playoff team, does have that game against Oklahoma State. They've got a game against Troy, which depending on how their season goes, could be a big win for Boise State, assuming they manage to pull both of those off. And I think this is a team that could also help itself with how the other teams in the Mountain West play out this year. San Diego State could very well beat two Pac-12 teams in Arizona State and Stanford. And depending on how everything plays out, they could walk their way into a New Year's Six Bowl. But I also think that you have to put this into perspective. I'm not sure we're ever going to see... a a group of five team ever make it to the playoff while it continues to be only four teams. That would require that at least two, excuse me, at least two power five teams were left out as well as Notre Dame. And I just don't think we're going to see that. I think Notre Dame already has a very difficult job of trying to make its way into the playoff because of them sitting at home the last weekend of the year. And I think the voters would probably pick them before they picked a group of five team, which is another reason why I think this playoff should be expanded to eight teams. Anyone who doesn't think that it should be expanded to eight teams, I don't know what to tell you. Let's just look at the numbers. The reality is right now, a good high school team will play 15 games. Keep in mind, a high school team is going to have, while they don't have the player restrictions that an, a college team has, excuse me, the scholarship restrictions that a college team has, they're going to play a lot less players. They have a lot less depth. Furthermore, NFL teams will play upwards of 16 games in the season, plus possibly three more playoff games. It doesn't make sense why they would choose not to add one additional game for each teams. If we, I would prefer to see them expand to eight teams more than I, even if it required them doing something like taking away teams by weeks, but really this should be an eight team playoff. I'd like to see it. And I think the only fair way to do it would be to have the five power five conference champions go in and then three at large teams. Furthermore, I'd like to be at least two, but at the very least one of those at large bids to go to a group of five team. I think when you're trying to sell us on the idea that the playoff is better than the BCS, because it gives us those matchups we want to see you have to give a Power 5 team a legitimate shot, and I don't think that has happened yet. And then, the obviously, the eighth and final team could be a team that the voters believe is deserving of making the playoff, even if they didn't necessarily win their conference. So I think it should be an eight-team playoff. Like I said, I think most people do. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get an eight-team playoff anytime soon, but it should definitely happen. So that's it for me, guys. I hope you enjoyed my podcast today. I'll be back on Monday to discuss all of this weekend's games. It should be very interesting. There will definitely be a few upsets. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed the games, and I'll see you soon. Bye.